Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All I ever wanted was a little love. I want true romance. It's true. Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Devin Leary, and I'm here with a random acquaintance. Do you want to name yourself? Sure. My name's Carolina Barlow. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> how are you? Um, this- how are you doing? No, how are you? No, how are you? I'm good. I actually was so grateful this week that we opened our advice email for listeners to write in because the first email we got of hundreds of thousands, of course, I mean, it's, it's, it's rushing in. I mean, the, the inquiries are rushing in and it's really, you know, it's up to us to discern what what we cover because it's just we could never even begin to respond to all the fan mail most of them are just like about how pretty we are and and just like people saying hey i just want to drop in say you guys are amazing thank you keep it up keep it up yeah we've had to hire a tech team to just yeah keep the mail going along but we read every single email of the two we have received of the two we've received, we've read every single word. But you know what? It was actually spooky because Devin and I have been talking a lot about this issue. And then our first email, almost to a T, describes what Devin and I have been talking about. Yes. Yeah, so the email was, hi, Carolina and Devin, you're beautiful. You're models. Why aren't yes, you models? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, blah, 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 are you blah. represented? Why aren't you cover girls? Why aren't you Maybelline Okay. (laughs) Why are you Maybelline? They said, me and my boyfriend have been dating for over three years now, did long distance for a year and a half. As of six months ago, we live in the same area again, but don't live together. Long distance was tough, but they made it through. Don't recommend it to anyone. And it was so exciting that they finally got to live together in the same place. All that being said, now they feel like they're just comfortable in the relationship with no drama or barriers or anything shaking things up which is good but they're scared they're going to fall going to fall into being content and too comfortable and just hanging out and and 
being kind of just roommates in this pandemic. Would love to talk about keeping a relationship from getting boring. And listen, so this week is about to be my anniversary with my boyfriend of a year being together. And for the past six months, we've been in quarantine together. But the the way our relationship started was this crazy whirlwind thing like when we got together we were long distance but we both decided to do it anyway because we had such strong feelings for each other that we just were like we're gonna fly across the country once a month once every few weeks and see each other and every time we saw each other was this as I've mentioned before on the podcast very exciting very like passionate we only get to see we only have these next four hours we only have this next night this is our last night this is the last hour this is you know like everything was like that and in quarantine, I've started to romanticize that because now we're living in my parents' house. We've gotten into a routine because the routine helps us so much with quarantine, or at least it helps me mentally to have like, I wake up at this time, I do work for these two hours, then I take a break, then I do work again, then I go for a walk, then we cook dinner, then we do this. And we've kind of gotten into a groove it within the household too of like the stuff we help out with, like taking the dog for a walk, cooking, whatever. So that is such a stark shift from we're meeting up in Vegas and we're going to have 48 hours together and we're it's going to be the most fun 48 hours of our lives but then we have to say goodbye and then I'm going to have to drive home from Vegas in the middle of the night to get home but it's worth it because I get to see you like it's obviously a huge difference from that so early on in our relationship too so it's something that I often text with Carolina about well I think also a lot of it has to do with and I'm speaking for myself, but I also, I think a little bit for you, when I first start dating someone, it takes me, it, it takes so much time and energy to put to myself together. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is the outfit I'm going to wear. When I would go on trips with a boyfriend, I would be, I would plan like, okay, this is a cute outfit. I, I bring all my potions and <laughs> really just yes. make myself up and and what I have to say is that's a fun process. It's exciting to put yourself together and feel attractive. And then when I start getting comfortable, I don't think this is a bad thing, but I'm like, okay, these yoga pants feel great. I'll throw my hair up. I'll put a t-shirt on. Some girls can do that and still look really hot. I mean that. I'm not saying I don't, but I just sort of look like fine. And yeah. I do though end up feeling less sexy and... I think a part of quarantine and a part of dating someone for a long time is that there's only so much energy you can put into getting gussied up all the time. But then, you know, you're two people who kind of feel asexual to each other sometimes. And I mean, uh, uh, along with the Vegas thing, me and boyfriends would go to hotels on like randomly and it would be this amazing, like sexy, magical time. And then as we dated for longer, I was like, all right, I guess we can check into this hotel. Okay, I'm exhausted. I have a book, actually. What show do you want to watch? You hit that routine, like Devin said. And and you've said this before, Devin, which I thought was so true. When I first start dating someone, I'm just like, I just want to be committed. I just want to relax. I'm tired of having literal knots in my stomach and feeling like nauseous from anxiety because I like this person so much. And then you relax (laughs) and you're like, I miss literally not being able to like not kiss this person because I couldn't believe they were like standing there. And now I'm just like, whatever. We both have active zits on our face and we don't care about the other person seeing them. 
it's really interesting. You know, Esther Perel has a lot to say about this. Like, she has that exercise where you don't touch each other for a month. Yes. To sort of build, like, some sexual tension, which I think is really smart. She also said that fire needs air. So, basically... You need space. You need to miss each other a little bit. So I very much believe one of the best things you can do for a relationship is to stay very active in your own life. That doesn't mean like career. It just means your own interests separate from your partner. And your partner doesn't need to be involved in those at all. Those experiences that I described about like the passion and the excitement. Also, like the other side of that is that, yes, I was sick to my stomach before and after. I couldn't sleep in the nights leading up to it. Yeah, driving back home from Vegas by myself right before work, getting a UTI because I couldn't stop to use the bathroom on the ride home. That's like the stuff that I don't remember. Instead, I'm like, it was magical. And it was. But it was also really hard. And I also was like, I can't wait until we live in the same place, which we do now. That's amazing, even though it's not the ideal that we wanted and it looks differently than we thought. I I have to remind myself that I'm in the scenario I dreamed of, which is that we actually are living together and functioning really well, which is so rare. The fact that we're not at each other's throats in any way, the fact that we enjoy doing these routines together is a miracle. I've never really had that experience with spending so much time with someone and not getting irritated by them. And the things that people have suggested to me as how to, I guess, spice things up or keep things exciting is to create space as much as I can, live my own life as much as I can. So that when we do go on a walk, there's stuff to update as opposed to when we work in the same room, I'm like constantly like updating him, talking to him all day. Then when we go for a walk, it's like, well, you've just been there. So I don't really have anything to tell you. If we separate ourselves as much as we can, then, you know, it's more exciting the moments we do get together. There is fun stuff that you can do. We did tarot card reading the other night, lit a candle in the dark and did a tarot card reading and that was really fun and that was something we did when we were first dating so it kind of like brought us back to that like moment of when we first got together that was great um I think like having dinner in a different location in your apartment or in your house wherever you are um and just like being deliberate about stuff like Mm -hmm. Carolina was saying like creating the month-long time limit would be a deliberate thing deliberately setting aside time to do something completely different also i would like my parents to stop listening at this moment (laughs) but i sometimes need to plan sex and i know that sounds weird and sort of counterintuitive when you're trying to spice things up but cheryl strayed actually wrote about it somewhere where she said i plan sex and i always am glad after when i like after i have it I don't want to say that if you're actively not in the mood to put your body in any sort of vulnerable position, you don't want to be in. But a lot of the time I would just be like, no, like, I don't really feel like getting like, I don't feel attractive right now. Like, da da da. And, you know, we're both in sweatpants and sort of whatever. I always felt better afterwards. And I also wanted to speak a little bit about the iPhone. (laughs) I don't have that many regrets from relationships. There was one relationship where I was on my phone a lot. 
a lot, a lot, a lot. And it really bothered my partner. And it was just sort of my, I just love, I just live inside my phone sometimes. And that kind of disconnection is really unhealthy. So I make some rules for myself. I'm not on the phone during meals. Um, When I'm talking to someone in the car, I'm not on the phone. I, if I need to check something, I can say, I'm going to use my phone right now. But to just Mm -hmm. sit and scroll while someone is trying to engage with you is a way to become numb to that person and for them to become numb to you. You know, you're both only half there. I think particularly during quarantine, that is, is hard. And I've been, my phone addiction has been like increased 10 million fold because it's like, there's not that much else to do. But yeah, when you're going to bed, both looking at your phones and then turning off the light and turning over, that's a moment that like I've learned I'm completely shutting my partner out if I'm just like staring at my phone instead of saying goodnight. (laughs) Well, that's another thing I want to say. And I've talked to Devin about this is that I have asked for moments in relationships. One thing I used to do with boyfriends is say, Good night every single night. I never, it was never just like, you know, or whoever falls asleep first. I would lean over, say good night and kiss them. And I really, that was a really nice way of ending the night and sort of um, like the romantic equivalent of a business handshake. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of like, I'm still here. I love you. I want you, I want to go to sleep on that note. Um, Instead of don't go to sleep angry, it's like, don't go to sleep without acknowledging each other, you know? Right. And I think my overall headline, though, in terms of this letter and in terms of what we're talking about is the grass is greener where you water it. So what I mean by that is I'm personally sick of wanting to be somewhere else. I wanted to be somewhere else in another time and five years ahead my whole life. When I was in middle school, I wanted to be in high school. When I was in high school, I wanted to be in college. When I was in college, I wanted to be in high school. (laughs) I, you know, when I was out of college, I wanted to be, um, you know, older, wealthier, blah, blah, blah. You know, right now I want to know more about my future. And so, yeah, like we said, I, when I first start dating people, I want to be committed. When I'm super committed, I want us to have been newly dating again so we can feel those sparks brighter. And what if where you are right now is perfect is just yeah. what I want to say. Okay. So we don't have time for the second question. So we are going to answer that next week and maybe we'll even have a few more by next week. Please reach us at true romance pod at gmail.com true romance pod at gmail.com. We love hearing your inquiries, your note, your comments, etc. Today we have an Instagram, celebrity Instagram, dramatic reading caption submitted by our friend Angelica Pasquini. She has a podcast on Apple Podcasts called Go On with Angelica Pasquini. And this is going to be a good one, guys. I'm really excited about this one. It is from singer-songwriter, possible Republican, Jessica Simpson. Definite Christian. Definite Christian. It's a photo of her and her husband, Eric Johnson. Oh, how I love you. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. When I was in my mommy's belly, God formed me and placed you in my heart. 
It took me 29 years to discover my soulmate, and colliding with your heart was our spiritual destiny. You are the human that all should aspire to be, a force of transformative inspiration to all that know and love you and are lucky enough to have you love them back. I'm so excited to see all that you have been working on so beautifully to be introduced into the world this year. Everyone get ready to be enlightened by my legendary spiritual guru at Legendary Disciples. Thank God, Eric Johnson, capitals, was born this day 41 years ago. Happy birthday, hubba hubba hubby of mine. Joe Simpson photo comments, happy birthday, flame, flame, flame. Okay, to me, this caption calls into mind a 12-word phrase, and that is a clump of cells is actually a human being that is fully alive. And you can put a heart into that. That's what her smile is saying in this photo, that she believes a clump of cells is actually a fully alive human being. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, I still I I have to set aside my belief in science in order to support this woman. I'm going to suspend my disbelief in what she's talking about. Just to accept it. Just to accept this love that story. That being said, when I was reading her memoir, Open Book by Jessica Simpson, I did text my boyfriend, Matt, and say that he was my Eric. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I knew we were meant to be together as soon as we met or something like that. And he was like, okay, I'm re-questioning all of our relationship. (laughs) Please actually don't land in New York in five hours, please. Why are you reading that book? (laughs) Devin and I, while we were reading Open Book, loved it, loved it, loved it. And then she once in a while, and when I say once in a while, every three pages would throw in my savior, Jesus Christ. And we were like, ooh. Or like, yeah, or like, and because I loved George Bush so much when he brought me to like meet with the troops and whatever. Like, no, take it easy, Jess. Ah, Ah. you went to the Bush White House. Ah, why? She chose to go to the (laughs) Bush White House. Not the brag you think it is. I know. She's like, I got fucked up at the Bush White House. And it's like, okay, am I going to turn every page of that? Yes. At the same time, it's wrong. It's wrong. And we'll be right back with True Romance. I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three. And so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back with True Romance. Today on the podcast, we have an incredibly distinguished guest, (laughs) attorney Laura Wasser. Laura has over 20 years of experience specializing in family law and has handled an extremely high number of high profile, high net worth cases. She's also the CEO of It's Over Easy, an online divorce service that gives divorcing couples an accessible and affordable resource to dissolve their marriage. That's itsovereasy.com for any listeners who want to log on today. Laura also wrote the book, It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. And she hosts the podcast, All's Fair, on iHeartRadio. You may know it as Divorce Sucks, its former name. Please welcome to the pod, Laura Wasser. Thank you for such a nice welcome. I haven't heard anything so nice in a while about a divorce lawyer. Well, you have teen boys, too. Yeah. They don't give you that intro every day. No, no. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. I started listening to your podcast, preparing for this interview, and now I am addicted. Like, then I just didn't stop. And it's evident why you're so good at what you do just by listening to it, because you take the divorce process extremely seriously. You understand how grave it can be. People listening to your interview subjects, everyone sort of inherently trusts you. And you also seem to have a sense of humor about it. Well, you have to. That's that's the gallows humor of it, absolutely, <laughs> and doing it for as long as I have been. But really, the the human nature aspect of it, like examining relationships, I, we when we switched from Divorce Sucks over to All's Fair, it was because I was like, I'm fine talking about divorce, but I really want to talk about all relationships. I want to talk about people that are able to work it out. So we've interviewed couples that have been married for over 50 years. We wanted to interview same-sex couples that, you know, that have had different issues from what heteros have. We -hmm. wanted to interview, you know, anybody that's interesting and not only couples, business partners, Mm -hmm. siblings, just how people interact in their human relationships. The good, the bad, and the ugly is fascinating to me. So we're having a good time. No, it sounds like it's really enjoyable to listen to. Your father was also in family law. Still is. (laughs) Amazing. I, he's no, gonna be he's gonna be seventy eight years old this week, and yet every morning I wake up to a text. How's my firm doing? Everything good? Oh, I have this hearing God. today. I'm like, it's five thirty. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I haven't even had coffee yet. <laughs> so you're still the daughter who's like, Dad, one yes. second, yes. leave me alone. Yes, yes. I'm in my room. <laughs> you're, but I didn't realize this until I was listening to your interview with Khloe Kardashian. Your father represented Kris Jenner in her divorce. And then you famously represented the Kardashians during their divorces. I love those episodes, by the way. But it's obvious how much they love and trust you. And I wanted to ask, 
what traits did you and your father share that lend themselves to the family law expertise, do you think? I think it's twofold. And the one, the, the number one is we're problem solvers. Like, and if you okay. want to be a good family law attorney, you have to be able to want to solve a problem because people are mm -hmm. going through complicated times. They're not always, well, they're rarely thinking rationally. And they also, so many like super sophisticated, intelligent, wealthy people have said to me like embarrassedly, I don't know anything about this. And I'm like, why would you know anything about this? In a million right. years, why would you know about this? So, you know, you have to also really have some empathy and some compassion because even though you've done it like a million times, no biggie, I got this, these people are scared. And it's really the right. worst thing to happen to most of them unless there's been a death in their family. A divorce mm -hmm. is really, it's terrifying, it's sad, it's scary. Then you've got lawyers using all these big words and talking about, you know, requests for orders and sanctions motions and discovery. And they're like, what are you talking about? My heart is broken. I'm not going to be able to see my kids wake up every morning. You know, right. he cheated on me or she stole my money or whatever it is. So you really have to be able to speak to them in a way that they can understand and make reasonable decisions. And the problem in family law is you have, I mean, think about who's going to want to be a family law attorney, first of all, but you have a lot of people that are just kind of stirring the pot because I say to my clients all the time, the more you guys argue, the more money I make. So let's see if we can figure this out. And that's what makes you good, wanting to figure it out. I know. I just never thought about it that angle before, that some people will prolong conflict only uh, to... That's so crazy. I'm in a couple right now where I'm like, how do you guys fucking sleep at night? I mean, it's so clear to me what's going on. And again, you have clients who are vulnerable, so they're not always going like, hold up. This seems to me like maybe you aren't trying to do this in my best interest. You might be arguing about something that you know you're not going to win. Why are we doing that? You know, they don't always think that way. They, they want to put their trust in somebody. And sometimes you've got interpersonal relationships between the lawyers. So as a client in a family law case, you have to be really, you have to be aware and wise. It's like if you have cancer, God forbid, you put yourself into the hands of your, of your care provider, of your doctor mm -hmm. and your team, whatever. And you know, they take an oath, do no harm. They want to fix you. They want to do it. But in family law or any kind of law, if you're with your attorney and your attorney is making more money by prolonging, you know, the conflict, you need to be able to say to your attorney, let's not prolong the conflict. How do we resolve this? Because nobody wins in family law. It's, you're not getting a big bunch of money from a trucking company because they ran into you on the freeway or you slipped and fell in the supermarket. This is there's a pot and you're splitting it with your spouse. And so you have to figure out where, how to keep as much of that money in the pot as possible. Right. Right. Yeah. It sounds like too, it's a particular time where someone could be taken advantage of because something we talk a lot about on the podcast is in the midst of a breakup or before a breakup, you have the ability to feel more lost than ever with all of these conflicting priorities, you know, yourself, your family, a partnership that you've put above yourself maybe. And so I mean, one thing I keep on thinking, and it was what I thought reading about you and listening to your podcast, was that what I knew about you, and I'm assuming this must happen to you a lot, was that you were who Laura Dern's character in A Marriage Story was based <laughs> off of. And also just knowing you from uh, the notion that I have of divorce lawyers, I had a preconception of you as sort of a no bullshit, tough as nails you know, cutthroat lawyer and then listening to you and reading your interviews, it, it really, I feel like, and if I'm putting this on you, please reject it, but you're at heart like a mama bear, like you're yes. a very protective mama bear. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I think, you know, with, 
with experience comes a certain wisdom. Like I went into this, as you said, because my dad did it. And I never thought I would do this. But I got married when I was really young. I was 25. We were probably too young to get married. And I was I hadn't even finished law school. So it was after my first year of law school, second year of law school, we got married. After my third year of law school, I went to my dad and I was like, this whole marriage thing is not working for me. And I'm waiting for my bar results. I had just taken the California bar and I was waiting for the results. And I was like, can I work here until I get my bar results? Because I need some money. We're splitting up. I need to pay the rent. I need to be able to pay my credit card. And my dad was like, yeah, you can work here. You said you'd never want to work here. And I was like, I know. <laughs> this place pays more than, you know, the Harriet High Center for Family Law. And he said, okay, you can work here. And I just, I fell in love with it. And because I had been through that, you know, people, I would represent people that were much older than me because at the time I was 25, they'd be like, you don't understand. I was like, well, I kind of understand. Like, I, I understand a little. Then I bought my first home. Then I understood about mortgages and how that feels. And I got, had my first kid. And then I broke up with his dad. And so all that stuff gives you a certain understanding. And yeah, I am a bit more of a mama bear. And I want to be able to help people but the other thing in family law, you have to be really careful that you don't like crawl into bed too much with them. I mean, not literally, but I'm not their friend. I mean, there's some of them that I've remained close with, but at $950 an hour, you don't want to tell me about dating the new guy. You don't want to vent to me about how, you know, your ex's girlfriend, you know, feeds your kids too much sugar. I mean, if it's an issue that we can form into something that's going to be, you know, but otherwise, you should be seeing a therapist. You should have a group of friends, talk to your mom, whatever. And so that's a that's a line too because I'm not really serving them well if I'm like buddying up to them and then they get a bill. Even though that's how much Devin charges me. I know. I was just going to say that's the same thing I tell Carolina when she gets too personal with the text. So I'm like, listen, <laughs> is it worth it to you? If not... 950, okay? <laughs> and we bill by the quarter hour. Like one tax is like a quarter. I mean, it better be a good fucking tax, right? Yeah, you better think about it. There better not be any, you know, double texting. Uh, Laura, <laughs> what's your dating status right now? Are you looking single, partnered? Uh, I'm. I actually just got out of a relationship, like literally, like on the heels of COVID, which obviously I didn't know. But we had been together. For seven years, it was a very significant relationship in my life. He was and is amazing, but it had just kind of run its course. And so, I mean, I've never been an online dater. I'm I'm probably just too old. So yeah, I'm in this massive kind of lonely holding pattern right now. So yeah. You're in a Carolina great hears you. I hear you. I got out of a three-year relationship, not a seven-year, but it was a similar thing where I love the guy so much. And we wanted to touch on this, actually. All of a sudden, my relationship ended, and it sort of started as like a lockdown was beginning to progress right. in L.A. And all of a sudden, I was like, I'm alone, but it's also the end of the world. <laughs> all right. No one feels bad for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the first things I said to my boyfriend as the lockdown orders were going into place was so many people are going to break up because <laughs> I have like five couples in my mind that will not survive a lockdown. I and don't did think, they? unfortunately. Did they? Some Devin? of them did and some of them didn't. Because I saw all the memes too, the divorce lawyers like rubbing their hands together and all that. And yeah, we've been, we have been very busy, but they've been mostly people who already were divorced or separated mm. and we're trying to figure out how to deal with custody during COVID, how Thanks. to deal with, um, at the time, and now going back into the remote classrooms, are the kids going to do it at one house? Are they going to do it at two houses? Now we've mm -hmm. got certain families that are talking about pods. 
And then there was support because our economy has taken such a blow. Right. We have people who entered into child and spousal support orders who are calling and going, dude, I, I can't pay. Like, I've been, I cannot pay the right. amount. So that happened a lot. But I really do think, and I know that this sounds so Pollyanna, but I think a lot of people were forced, some of those people, Devin, that you were talking about, Mm-hmm. were forced to actually, because now they were stuck together. They couldn't leave. They couldn't go hang out with friends. They couldn't maybe stray, like take a break or whatever. They were there. Right. And so those people actually had to dig deep. And I feel like a lot of them, I mean, like the couples that I knew, married and just, you know, dating, they really got into their relationships. And I think, I hope, they will come out way stronger because they've done such in-depth, you know, work that that no one mm-hmm. usually has time or energy for that's all we got right now. I mean, that right. and putting on 15 pounds and baking a really good banana bread, you know, we're working through our issues. Yeah. Add five yeah. to that 15 and then I agree. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> I know. Same. So COVID-20. It's so funny because me and my friend were talking about this once and how when you're extremely wealthy at and you're traveling the world and you have a high profile career, sometimes that can feel like love. Like you're on an amazing vacation with someone and someone's bringing you food and and things seem to go swimmingly. And then something like COVID happens and tensions are suddenly um, in your life for the first time ever, maybe. Yeah. And it's been fascinating to watch couples go through that. For your own dating life, what is it like when you introduce yourself as a divorce lawyer? Does that (laughs) I mean, does that intimidate people? Do you think that? Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, and I mean, like, if I'd be on a plane and somebody said, what did you do? I would be like, I'm an actress or like, (laughs) I do voiceover work. Like, I would never say it. Now, most people that I meet, of course, already know who I am because they've been told by, so that's what happens when you get old. Like, either my kid went to school with them or somebody's this. (laughs) So they're like, oh, ah, the divorce lawyer. (laughs) And yeah, I, I wouldn't say they're intimidated, but they're definitely like, yeah, no. Although I will say that there are a lot of guys who are like, and you know, another thing that is relatively well known about me is that I have no interest in getting married again. I'm I'm monogamous. I Which love Which I love. But I'm I, sorry. Continue. Guys, like, I'm telling you, it's a total dude magnet. They're like, you don't want to get married? Let's, right. let's make out. You know? And I'm like, no, no, this is, I really don't want to get married. <laughs> that and as is... you get older, it's like, why would I ever get married again? I mean, it doesn't make any sense for me. But that is definitely like some, there are definitely some people who are like, yeah, I'm not about that at all. I want like a, I want, you know, the package of the the young, beautiful, subservient. And I'm like, yeah, that would. Doesn't ask questions. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I heard you say this um, on one of your podcasts that you're like, I don't want to get married. And I literally was like, wait, is the divorce lawyer talking about how she doesn't want to get married? This is so interesting. Like, this is so, is this the plot from the wedding planner? Like, what's happening? (laughs) But I feel like that must be such a good filter for guys, too. Like, okay, if you're intimidated by me, this wouldn't work anyway. Right. And I never thought about your perspective on it, which, again, I heard in your podcast where you said, like, why does the state have to get involved in my relationship? And it literally hit me like, oh, my God, why does the state have to get involved? In my- <laughs> I had this epiphany. But I also love that you included. But like, listen, I love a wedding. I do love a wedding. <laughs> and, and I had a wedding and I was 25 right. and I will never be that gorgeous or thin again. So and I have pictures so I can just go look at them. But like everybody should do it once. It was really lovely. But I don't really have to do it again. And, and like I said, for me, given my 
financial circumstances, the fact that I already have two kids from two different dads, like that's just not something, never say never, but I can't imagine a reason like, you know, people get married for insurance or immigration status or whatever, like maybe there's some reason, but somebody's saying to me like, listen, this is really important to me. I really, really want to be married. I'd be like, tell me why. If you can explain a reason that, you know, besides just like my parents were married or, you know, that's security, because <laughs> it's not, it's a contract and you're entering into a contract. And again, the state in my, in my state, the state of California is in the middle of that. And I, I'm not down with the state of California being in the middle. There are enough of my other shit. I don't need them in my relationship. <laughs> do you find that your friends or random people reach out a lot? And do you sort of have to protect your energy, sort of monitor your hours that way? Like, are no. there people? No. I mean, yes, they reach out a lot and I don't yeah. monitor my hours. I mean, and again, this, it, it, there's a line between a client and not, but you know, I don't have any more wisdom about relationships than anybody else does. We've all been here. We've all been alive. We've all know, but I may have a bit of a different perspective about it. And so, yes, when you, Carolina, my best friend calls me and he says, friend. oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> Laura! And I'll say, just let's pour a glass of wine. Let's talk it yeah. out. Let's see how we do. Oh my well, God. You must I'm see jealous. <laughs> Devin, you're not in this, okay? But you must have seen so many patterns that you must see them repeat themselves, no? Like, okay, so when this guy says this, that's usually a red flag. Or when your mm -hmm. friend's boyfriend does this, mm, I don't really like that. Yes. But, and sometimes it just takes that objectivity because like, oh, but he's so good in bed. Yeah, he's so good in bed. But still, really, he just did this. That's so uncool. He should not be checking your phone. I don't care yeah. how good in bed he is. Yes to all of that, except you never know... You know, I've been to weddings where the couple literally met two weeks ago and people will say to me, like, I bet you don't, I bet you, you should be handing out your card. I bet you don't think this will last. And those marriages have lasted and t done the test of time. Mm -hmm, and right. then you've been, you go to a wedding or you, you help a couple with a prenuptial agreement because we do a lot of those and they've been together forever and everything is smooth and it's fine. And, you know, a year and a half later, they're like, it's done. We never should have taken this step. It changed everything. Do you think everyone should get a prenup? Because I thought that was like the common knowledge thing that like everybody does that. And then I said that in a group of friends who half of them were married and they all were like, wait, what? No, we didn't do a prenup. Like, that's weird. People don't do that. So next time you're with those friends, Devin, no, seriously, <laughs> yeah. say to them, so what, what is, what's the law? Like what happens if you guys get divorced? Right. Because I find so many people that come to my office to get divorced, and usually they're older. Younger people are a little bit more keyed into this stuff. Mm -hmm. Say, well, what do you mean I have to pay him half of all of my retirement accounts that I've been, mm -hmm. you know, building up since we got married? Or, or what do you mean I don't get the house? I'm the mom. I mean, or, you know, God, yeah. or wait, I'm a woman. I'm not paying spousal support. He's been mm -hmm. lying on the couch for seven years. We were like rock stars in college and we both got right. our, our masters and I thought we were going to just totally blow it out of the park and instead he did nothing I did everything I want to get out of this relationship mm -hmm. I have to pay him support still so people don't know and again state of California and every state in the U.S. you have certain laws that dictate what happens when two people get married and yet so few people know what those laws are it blows my mind because when you're getting married you have to pick the caterer and you have to pick the venue and you right. have to pick the florist and your dress and the string quartet or DJ or whatever the hell. And all those people have contracts and you pour over them and you look and you make in interlineations of things you don't like. 
What's mm-hmm. the contract you're entering into with the dude you're going to walk down the aisle with? Do you even know? Yeah. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. I And you've described it this way on your podcast a few times that I people are so scared of having like an unsexy conversation like that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, worse comes to worse. This happens. How are we going to protect ourselves? Yeah, right. And, and, and like protect each other. And if you're getting married to someone, they really are going to be your best friend, your business partner. It's not always going to be sexy. I say to those people like, that's so unsexy. I say, wait till you're delivering your first baby and you actually poo on the table. That's unsexy. You should have this conversation (laughs) before he sees that happen. Okay. I mean, the prenup convo seem easy. Absolutely. And again, it's, you know, and, and I, and the prenups we've done, we've done a lot of them. I really do believe having those unsexy conversations, and sometimes they're difficult and sometimes they're hurtful and sometimes they're very eye-opening and illuminating, but they really do help you figure out what you're getting into and with whom you are casting your lot. And those people like have a certain understanding when they get into it. It's not always fun. And sometimes I'm like, oh, shit, these people aren't going to get married. This is going to be bad. Most Mm -hmm. of them come back around. They're like, okay, we got this. And they know the terms. And then They put it in a drawer. They don't think about it. It's not like every month you have to be like referring back to the prenup and this is what (laughs) we're doing. But it's just a better understanding of what the law is and how you're opting out of the law if you don't – if it doesn't suit you. And again, I don't think – to answer your question, Devin, I don't know that everyone needs one. If you get married and you're both similarly situated and you feel like you both don't have much and you're putting stuff into the marriage together and it's going to be if you're in a community property state like California, all good. I'm just saying you need to know. Because then if somebody decides that they don't want to go back to work, if something changes or kids or whatever, then then the terms are a little bit different and you have to have that discussion too. But if you don't even know what the terms were in the first place, how are you supposed to address it? And then that leads to resentment and that communication piece we talked about all goes to shit. Right. Oh, my God. I'm going to have a prenup. (laughs) I am going to remember this conversation. Um, (laughs) I'm going to bring a prenup to my first date. When and if I ever have one again. <laughs> Just hold it up to the Zoom camera. During yeah, exactly. Oh, to my Zoom date. Yeah. No, I actually exactly. have clients who have re- requested releases. So like, because if they're sleeping with someone, they want to make sure that he or she doesn't come back and go, oh, you promised me this. So they make them sign a release. I don't recommend that. I've but, heard of this. Yes. Yes. We should throw to a quick break and then we'll be right back with more from Laura Wasser. I want you. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back on True Romance (laughs) with Laura Wasser. Devin, you had a question. In a recent episode of your podcast, you mentioned your podcast, All is Fair, by the way, on iHeart and wherever you get your podcasts, I'm sure. Um, In a recent episode, you talked about this quote from Mad Men that I love, which was people tell you who they are, but we ignore it because we want them to be what we want them to be or something like that. We don't want to hear it. Yeah. So I wanted to ask do you find that by the time people get to the point in their marriages um, or relationships that they are coming to you for help, are they usually on the other side of this and have they finally seen who their partner is or do you think that they're often still in denial? What's like the more common of the two? I don't know which is more common. It, it happens both ways and it's really fascinating. I mean, when they come to me and you know, sometimes people come to me and they've already been separated for like two years and now they're like, we're ready to just do it. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, I walked in and our nanny was blowing mm-hmm. him while the, the <laughs> twins were taking a nap. So what I hear a lot is, I don't even know who this person is anymore. And that's when I right. brought up that quote because yeah. I'm like, you always knew who he or she was. You just didn't want to hear it. Definitely happens more at the beginning of a relationship. I definitely think that now that we are kind of staying and dating and cohabiting relationships longer before we just rush to the altar. I mean, if you look at like particularly Hollywood in like, you know, 50s, 60s and 70s and these people that got married like seven or eight times, we just don't do that as much anymore in our, Mm -hmm. you know, subsequent generations because we do. We wait a little bit longer to see who that person really is. So that first, right. you know, six months of like yumminess, you know, again, they are telling us who they are and we may not want to see it because at the beginning, yeah. I mean, most of us really love being in love. It's fun. Yeah. I don't even, I can't even see who that Remember? person is to like a year in. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like, you're I know, it's kiss. so fascinating. It's, I always say that about one of my, my long-term relationships, like the whole first year, I just constantly fantasized about our wedding. Like I was like, he's the one any lie detector test, I would have been like, the rest of my life is certain and it's with him. Okay. And then the way that relationship ended was so like f- drastically far away from that. And that's fine because if that's feeding what you need at the time, great. Right. As long as you, I mean, a very wise woman who is the one that pointed out that Mad Men line, I didn't pull it up myself. She told me about it and then I went back and watched that episode. But she also mm-hmm. said, she told me, that in your brain, whatever the the um, chemical is that gets let off when you are in love, at first in love, is mm-hmm. the same one that a new mom has like for her baby when she sees wow. it the first time, that like rush of love that you have. 
And the same thing happens for like that first whatever it is, depending on the circumstance of a relationship, three months, six months, right. a year. And that really blocks a lot of other stuff out. You just don't see the other things because you've got this rush of like, I forget what the hormone right. is, but it's also the same one that was it serotonin that that um, was secretes when you do heroin. So it can be a little dangerous. Oh, is it oxytocin? Yes, I think that's yeah. what it is. And so again, you know, <laughs> Devin's like heroin. That'll be oxytocin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. I love that. Oh wait, that's what it is. Also, it, it's something that's challenging with friends, as we talk about on the podcast a lot with like our friends or loved ones relationships sometimes when they are in still in denial about certain things um it can be just really hard so i just imagined it would be hard probably and when you're representing someone it, it's hard but again i will often say like you're paying me to be objective and to be honest with you i'm right. gonna be brutally honest with you your friends your mom whoever they'll they'll handle you with kid gloves i am very empathetic but here's the bottom line you need to get right. out of this or you're being had or whatever it is and you know one of the reasons one that I wrote the book because at the time I had so many people coming to me for advice and most of them were people that I would meet they were friends they were acquaintances and they could never afford my firm me right, as a younger right. associate at the time or even just the firm generally and so I was like let's put this out there for everybody and then that's why we also started it's over easy because People, everybody goes through the same stuff. It's just a matter of how much, how many dollar signs, how many zeros there are next to your bank account. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't only be wealthy people that are able to kind of have these insights. And so right. we write on our blog, like, you know, so many people will kind of come onto the site that have no intention of getting divorced, but their sister is going through it or oh, their, you know, yeah. best friend and they want to be able to relate. So we've had people write articles about like, co-parenting with an asshole. This is how, this is how, you know, and then you feel a sense of community and you can direct them somewhere. And, you know, so the actual divorce business, it's part of it, but it's a small part of a bigger picture conversation, which is, oh my God, I'm going through this and I don't know where to turn or who to talk to or, or is, has anyone else had this experience? Has anyone mm -hmm. else felt as horrible as I feel right now? Or right. how do I help my friend? So that's part of the reason we put it together just so that you can have these shared experiences. Same with All's Fair. Let's talk about what happened to you so that other people can listen and be like, oh, I, yes, I feel that too. I, yes, that happened to me. In your very extensive experience, how do you think celebrity and fame affects relationships? I think, you know, you were saying before, like if you're on a nice vacation and you're at a beautiful place and you have all this money, I think that definitely if there's two celebrities or one who's a celebrity and one who's just kind of getting pulled in, yeah, all that stuff, the private planes and the designer dresses and the red carpets can be very intoxicating. Um, and again, Hollywood and the entertainment industry, which is mostly where I, you know, live in terms right. of my practice, my private practice, um, there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of fantasy and there's a lot of like on-set romance because we're mm -hmm. acting and we're pretending and this is... Um, but I think ultimately it doesn't necessarily lend itself to long term. So you have to dig right. deeper in those relationships. I also think the only difference between celebrities and we normal people is that a lot of times the celebrities have surrounded, and this happens with wealthy people too, have surrounded themselves with so many people who are constantly saying yes, 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 that if they're in a relationship and the other person is like, no. Right. That can be right. really difficult because if if you're if everyone around you is getting paid a percentage of what you do, 
they're boosting you up. Nothing wrong with that. It's just that right. the person that you're married to may not necessarily be that person. They're not on the payroll. That's not their job. And I guess at some point, one or both of you assume that this was going to be more of an equal relationship. And that's really, really difficult if you're in the spotlight. That's so interesting. Yeah. My onset romance never happened. But if it did, it would have been with the PA who lived in a hammock. We'll see. That that, that would probably be safe. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't. I don't think he had a lot of yes people around him. No. He was the yes <laughs> He person. needed more yes people around him. But you have been in the limelight a lot, too, just because of where your name stands in the tabloids as so-and-so's representative. Is that something that bothers mm-hmm. you? Is it just the nature of I'm, where you I'm live and what you do? Now. They usually don't care about me, luckily. I mean, if I was walking down the street with one of my clients, they'd be very interested. So I've tried to not do that like ever. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if we go to court, we end up meeting there most of the time. It's not really my thing to the extent. I mean, for the first, I'd say 20 years of my career, I was mortified by it. Like I wanted nothing to do with it. When we launched It's Over Easy, I realized I was going to have to put myself out there a little bit more because oh, interesting. one thing that lends some credibility to the site is, oh, it's that lady that's represented famous people. Right. She must know what she's talking about. And I will say that very quickly, I got used to it being like, oh, hair and makeup is here. Let's go. Um, <laughs> you guys, you might have had coffee in the chair. That's so funny. I I'll love tell that. you, though, some of the most interesting relationship conversations have happened with the hair and makeup people. I mean, those of people, course. Are you they kidding? love to talk. They've had interesting situations and it's all right out there. The hair and makeup yeah. always has the best gossip. And yes. I have a theory they get it because they're literally doing like the nicest thing on earth, which is touching people's hair softly. Gently touching. Yes. You yes. could literally yes. get anything out of me. I'd be like, yes. we'll start with the day I was born. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, this isn't even a question. I just admire so much about It's Over Easy and the podcast and the book is that you are such a resource and a very expensive one. And to have you know, Laura Wasser's advice on your tablet or in a bookstore or in your ears or on a website that operates almost like TurboTax. It's like, wait, because yeah, I have known people who are like, I'm going to get a divorce and I don't even know, like, do I Google it? Like, (laughs) what do I do? Yes. Google it and pull up. It's over easy because that is, I mean, and we, we now, whatever SEO has happened, like we come to the top pretty easily, but it's, It's information and we want to enlighten people and educate them so that it's not so horribly scary because what I really do believe is I want to make this information. I want to make it available to people because how many people do you know? You said your parents got divorced. How many people do you know that have been the children of like miserable divorces? Everybody says, I just want my kids to be okay. And then almost everybody acts like a complete asshole when it comes to figuring out custody stuff because ultimately they're hurting and they care about them and they're scared and they need to know. Somebody told me this morning, we did our podcast and she was a therapist and she said that anger is the bodyguard to uh, fear. So if you're angry about something, you're really just scared about it. And of course, if you're scared, obviously you're going to be angry. If you're going through a divorce, both of those emotions come into play so often. And so I want to change the way people approach divorce. I think we've been doing it wrong for too many years. The fact that I still have women in 2020 saying to me, but I, what do you mean I have to pay him support just because I'm the breadwinner? Like, 
I want people to know about it more. I want it to be, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not encouraging people to get divorced, but I would hate to imagine that in 2020 and beyond, people are staying in unhappy relationships just because they're afraid to get divorced. I mean, look at the divorce rate. If that many people are getting divorced, we have to change the way we approach it. And that's why we call it the evolution of dissolution, because it has to be better. And to do that, we have to explain to people what it entails. And just to remove the stigma from it, I mean, that's the thing I think is crazy is that it's still looked at as a failure, even though half of married couples virtually are going through it, when it's really just like the ending to something that was very hopeful. And we've seen so many happy couples who've gotten divorced and who have still, you know, beautiful remnants of that marriage. Well, yes, if you've if you've got your kids, you look at them. I mean, I say this so often. I'm like, you might hate him, but look at your babies. I mean, that isn't right. that the greatest yeah. thing. And even like this seven-year relationship that just ended. Like it was a bummer that it ended. And that first, I'd say six months after was really painful. But we had a great time. We did some amazing traveling and dining and laughing and loving. It was great. So to stay in it longer, I think, would have tainted those great memories. You move on to the next chapter. You heal yourself. You take away from it all of the amazing things that you did and that you learned. And you move on to the next one. And you're able to bring more to that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A thousand percent. No, I completely agree. Cut to me um, alone in my bedroom. Oh, like, yeah. Crying. Cut to me and you. A split <laughs> screen of me and you crying. It's me in the shower. You in your bedroom. And me crying because I feel left out that you guys yeah, are crying. They're like they're best friends. <laughs> yeah. You can say no to the answering this question. But we had you, to ask. Because we had to if ask. We, if we didn't, we would go to our graves and think, why didn't we ask? So we just had to. Do you okay. have an opinion on the free Britney movement? Oh, yes. I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can't. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. You understand. You teased us for a second there, but we <laughs> really know. appreciate it. I there, I've had too much involvement in no, Britney and, yes. and 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 all of that. So I I probably, in fact, not probably. I should not state what my opinion is, but uh, you will find. As our best friendship, as our three-way best friendship progresses, you'll we'll find get that I have an it. opinion about almost everything. So on March one of these tonight, days, God, one of these I'm days, shaking. a few tequila shots in, I'll tell you my opinion. <laughs> we'll get you in that hair and makeup chair. <laughs> yeah, I'll do the makeup. <laughs> to go back to It's Over Easy, I was reading an article that's posted there called How to Know When Your Marriage is Over. And you also have a chapter in your book The book is called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself, to repeat. You have a chapter called How Do You Know, which opens with this story that I loved and was so moved by and related to so much of this woman who came into your office for a consultation on whether or not to get divorced once a year for five years, I think, before finally making the decision to go forward with calling it quit. So I I just that resonated with me so much because of all the times that I've sat wondering like how do I know? How do I know? What do I do? Like what if this what if I end this and then it's the biggest mistake of my life? What if we're soulmates and like but what if we're not? And <laughs> what if it gets worse? Um so I just wanted to and I can only imagine that's just, you know, tenfold with when a marriage is involved and when kids are involved. And I wanted to know if you are willing to touch on some of the stuff that you explained in that chapter, in that article about how to know when it's over. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that's really important. And that woman did. She came back like every year. Like we actually got to be friendly. And every year I had mixed feelings because I was like, you know, there's so many times I'll take a call or I'll meet with somebody and I'll hang up and I'll be like, oh, he'll be back, you know, yeah. <laughs> not in a jaded way, but I just know, but they're not ready. Um, right. And then we do at our office, we have like a conflict system. So if I've actually spoken with somebody, we put his or her name in the thing so that then if a year later... The spouse calls. I've already talked to one. I can't talk to both. I've already got oh, information. Okay. So it's a very complex system so that we prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. But again, I so often say like, I don't know. I'm not in your marriage. I don't know. I'm sure right. the fact that you guys got married, the moment that you met, the moment that he or she proposed, when you walked down the aisle, when you made love and made your baby, when you were in the delivery room after the pooping and, 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 and <laughs> holding hands, like all of those things are such amazing things. What could happen that's so horrible to make it go away? Like I remember when I right. split up with my husband, my dad was like, does he, does he drink too much? And I'm like, no. Does he beat you? No. Does he, g- right. has he gambled away all the money? I'm like, no. And he's like, so what's the problem? That was the way our parents thought. Right. My parents, right. Parents. No, it's a generational but, difference. Yeah. And I don't think that that's the reason in this day and age to stay together. Yet, far be it for me to tell you, oh, it's going to be great when you break up. You <laughs> may have some lonely times. Your, your grudge fuck might be somebody who's horrible and steals your wallet. And then you're like, oh, my God, why did I go with this person? You know, you're so I don't know. And I would never pretend to know. What I will mm-hmm. say is when the bad starts to weigh, outweigh the good consistently. Again, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. Fear should not be the thing that prevents you from getting divorced. Everybody's scared. Right. You should be afraid to stay in a marriage. For I mean, look, obviously, if somebody's beating you or drinking too much, get out and get out now. But otherwise, yeah. if you've just grown in different directions, if it's stagnant, if you're not growing, if you're not sharing, if you're not able to communicate, if you've done some kind of couples counseling or mental health care work that makes you realize that you know you've you've tried to dig a little bit deeper then maybe it's time and again you never know and there and there are people who have had horrible experiences with extracurricular you know sex out of the marriage people who have found their spouse has mm-hmm. been all kinds of you know dating services call girls porn websites whatever and they've worked through it you can yeah. work through some of this stuff and then there's people that say nothing really terrible ever happened. We're just not growing together anymore. We're not providing. Right. What's that woman that tells you, does this provide joy? If not, throw it away. Oh, oh Mary Kondo. Kondo. Right. Yeah. You kind of have to do that with your relationship, but on a much bigger scale, because otherwise right. life is too short. You can't just stay in something because you have a nice roommate or your kids, you know, want it or whatever. People always mm-hmm. say, I just, are my kids going to be Okay. When my older son, who's now, as I said, going into 10th, started kindergarten, his dad and I were the only parents in the class that weren't living together at the time. And by the time he got into fourth grade, I think it was probably about a third of the class that had split up. And that was okay. But he was always the kid that the kids went to talk to. And he was like, it's actually really cool. I have a house, a room at my dad's. I have a room at my mom's. They're friends. They talk. And one of the He's like smoking a cigarette, being like, come yeah. to my office. <laughs> Lie down on the couch. <laughs> but Listen, one of them said, okay. <laughs> we didn't realize this. And one of them said, do you realize that a lot of the times the kids go and talk to Luke because oh, he just that. always makes them feel really good about it. I've never thought about that. But remembering very young age, divorce was so much even more stigmatized when I was a kid. And it felt like stigmatizing as a kid to have your parents divorce. Right. Like mm-hmm. what and happened why to that us? Be? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. One of my friends has went on 
gave me some of the best advice I've ever heard during a breakup. And I was like, okay, so he did this. And then I did this to get back at him. And I, I was like 20 years old at the time. And she is sort of uh, so simple that you can't believe you never thought of it. But she said, she said, okay, you can do this work. You can try to trust him again. He can try to trust you again. You guys can, you know, grow spiritually to try to get back together or you don't have to. And I remember being right. like, wait, that sounds like the easier <laughs> option, though. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes just knowing that you have that out makes you exactly. go, okay, and you don't feel so trapped. You're like, okay, I could, I could right. try this for a minute. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's the thing is if divorce is off the table, like you can't do that at all. That leads to so much more stress than to just thinking like, okay, or, right. you know, I start this next chapter of my life. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, of course, as you said, it's never like, and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to get my groove back. It's going right. to be like, oh, no, there will be the days on the floor. But um, yeah. those are sort of what connects you to the rest of the world. Well, and you know the saying, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. That so applies not just to breakups and divorces, but to everything we're going through right now. I'm hoping we yeah. come out of this stronger. It's going to take a minute, but it will be okay. This too yeah. shall pass. No, I'm a big believer in that. What is the best piece of relationship advice you've ever received? And what is the best piece of breakup advice you've ever given? I'd say without being so totally simplistic, it's the same, which is be nice. Be kind. Oh, I love that. Give me chills. Be kind in your relationship. We so often take for granted the person that we wake up next to every day, the, you know, the little things. We're, we could be nice to somebody on an elevator and pull a piece of lint off them, but we would right. let our partner walk out the door with a big piece of food in his teeth because we're like, Haha, fuck you. I mean, <laughs> so be kind. Yeah. And then the same thing goes for breaking up. Remember, whatever misery you're going through, he or she probably is too. They may not realize it right now. They will. It's never easy. Just be kind. And it's so much easier to be kind, it takes so much less. It makes you feel so much better than being an asshole. Right. I-, I love this advice so much. And it's something I've talked about, particularly in relationships as opposed to breaking up. But I always say that I like my, I like to be polite to my partner and I want them to be polite to me. So mm-hmm. my pet peeve was seeing like a boyfriend talk to his girlfriend and being like, oh, shut up. Yeah. Like yeah, I was always right. like, oh no. And I told I was dating a guy once who said like that to me. And I was like, oh no, you you don't tell me to shut up. And I'm yeah. not saying that like as a bitch. I'm saying that like I don't want us to talk to each other that way. I so agree. I like like the how are you's. I like like, oh no, your shoulder hurts. Like I like manners in even a, a even in a relationship where you're like eating food in bed, watching like a TV show on your computer, like even when it's gotten that intimate, I still like how are you? How was your day? Right. And I think that that's like a lost art <laughs> in yeah. relationships. I can't remember which episode of your podcast that I was listening to. One of your guests talked about like tell just just the simple reminder of like telling your partner how great they are, or, like thanking them for the things that they do every day. Um, I I always struggle to remember that i'm like i get so used to like um just being like yeah you should have brought me a seltzer during the show thanks (laughs) no just appreciation and acceptance of i mean one of the things i miss the most about my last boyfriend is he used to write me little notes everywhere like if he would shower after i was already at work and i'd come home 
there'd be a note. There was a note in my briefcase. He would write me these little notes and it was Aww. inane things. I love you so much, baby. You're so hot. I can't wait to see you. And it was oh my God. like okay. so, so lovely. I mean, he was, it was That is awesome. really cute. So now I, I just that. write him to myself, but it's not as good. Laura, you're so cool. You're going to find a boyfriend this year. <laughs> you're the kind of person who someone will fall in love with during quarantine. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 100%. <laughs> I mean, two girls already have fallen in yeah. love with you during quarantine. Guilty as charged. Oh, guys. Thank <laughs> you. You're looking at them. In court lingo, I'd say guilty. Um, <laughs> your initials. So is this true? Your dad passed the bar exam on the day you were born? He found and out s- that he passed the bar on the day I was conceived. So he found oh, okay. out and they were like, let's go let's celebrate. Go. <laughs> and then they counted back and it, I was going to be Rebecca and then they were like, oh, no, let's make her initials law. And for years, I was like, that's so geeky. God, I hate it. No, I, and love, then, it. I love it. And then I turned 40 and I just embraced it. And now I like sign all my emails law. Yeah, are like, you it kidding? Just, it works. So, yeah. And my it friends all call me stars. law. Yeah. I love it. It was written in the stars. I mean, to be conceived from a past bar exam is. <sighs> it could have been bar, but my, my last name wasn't with an R. But, yeah, that would probably be a <laughs> <been> bartender. <laughs> That would be maybe a different uh, forecast yeah. from that name. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't tell you just how enjoyable it is to spend time with you. And it oh, makes so much you. sense, your success and how you've helped people. I'm We're in, we're in awe, okay? Um, we're in awe it. of law. We're in awe of law. Yeah, awe of law. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. Bye, guys. Laura Wasser, you guys weren't able to see her in person, but I want to talk a little bit about her tan and her shoulders. She looks like a model. She looks like Jackie Onassis. Yeah, I would agree. She had a great, a great top. <laughs> How do I say this? Okay. She, I, I, I don't necessarily know the phrase, but I, I, I think it's she had a, a cute top. <laughs> Sorry to get all scholarly on y'all, but she had a cute top. When I was in college, I learned um, this word. It comes from the Greek word for um, shirt, 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 uh, tunic. S H I R T, shirt, blouse, top. She had shirt. a but, but you T. actually they called it a cute top. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's emblazoned on the pyramids. Cute top. Okay, hieroglyphics. Google translate the hieroglyphics and it says cute top. It was actually what Julius Caesar was wearing when he got killed was a cute top. (laughs) Brutus said so himself. That's what Brutus was saying. When the soldiers stormed Normandy, a lot of what was heard was, that's a cute top. That's a cute top. Hey, anyone seen Private Ryan? I think he's wearing a cute top. Let's get Matt Damon on the case right now. How will we recognize Private Ryan? Oh, he's going to be wearing a cute top. This is all to say Laura Wasser is a hero. <laughs> we really appreciated it. We loved her. She's great. I told my family and my boyfriend after the interview when we were playing a family board game, I said, well, I'm actually going to have a prenup because everyone should have a prenup. And they all disagreed. And I was like, I don't even care what y'all think because I know the truth. I was talking to an expert and I know the truth. Y'all, I was talking to an expert about this. Y'all ain't right. I will absolutely sign a prenup. It's so funny because Ali Wong in her book, Dear Girls, I've mentioned it on the pod before. It's a must read. 
She talks about how her husband's family made her sign a prenup because they didn't want her to steal all of his money. And now that's actually worked against him because as Ali Wong says in her book, her mom told her, don't make too much money or your husband will be unattracted to you. And she was like, my husband won't leave me. That's a terrible financial decision for him. Yeah. I also think that Dax Shepard did the same thing where he made Kristen Bell sign a prenup. But then she she has like frozen now. She's like one of the top paid actresses ever. He's like screwed if they break up. I mean, up. he has an armchair. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's true. Let's just do a quick, what is your first marriage going to be like? What's your second marriage going to be like? I think I'm going to have two marriages. Laura will handle my first divorce. My first husband is going to be very kind, probably a little flashy, uh, maybe a, too adventurous for his own good. But I'll have to take care of my kids. You know, he's not going to be around enough. He He's too committed to his craft, which is acting. His name's Shia LaBeouf. It's going to okay. burn hot, but it's going to burn quickly. We're going to have okay. to say our goodbyes. Then I'm going to be single mom running around with four kids. Oh, my God. And <laughs> I'm going to meet this older gentleman, one silver streak through his hair, who is a famous senator. He's a widower. Oh, God bless him. And he just wants to be a good dad to my kids. Little do I know he's a shipping heir. Okay. What's your first marriage going to be like? Oh, that was a real cliffhanger. He's a shipping hero. How, is, how does that affect the kids? How does it affect the future oh, of the marriage? Oh, we won the lottery. My first marriage is going to be to someone who's not Matt because Matt is going to break up with me for being psychotic. But then I'm going to I'm gonna engineer a revenge plan, which is like to make yes, him realize yes, yes. he made the, the biggest mistake of his life, which is going to involve me marrying someone that he will be like, what? She's getting married. What the fuck? I made the biggest mistake of my life. The person will be literally anyone walking down the street. I'm <gasps> marry gonna... Chris Matthews. That'll kill him. Yeah. I'll marry some politics guy. And then, and then listen, he'll be coming crawling on back. Okay. So I can't wait. Thank you guys for <laughs> tuning into True Romance. If you do have a divorce, congratulations. Set yourself Congrats. free. Love y'all. Bye. I love you, Devin. All I ever wanted was a little love. I want true romance. It's true. True romance. It's so romantic. Love me, baby. Don't Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. 